podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the weekender. You might wonder what the weekender is and why you're not getting City Talk. Um, the reason why is because what we've decided to do is replace City Talk with a show called The Weekender, which allows us to explore a little bit more of the Liverpool week, uh, which allows us to anticipate more of what the Liverpool weekend is going to look like, and which allows us just to get into some more stuff and also something that we can put out early on a Friday morning. So hopefully this has turned up in your free feeds. You're nice and excited thinking, good Lord, the Anfield rap is sharp at 8am this morning, giving me something to listen to on the way to work. That's what we want we want to set up your Friday we almost want to be your breakfast show Adam how do you feel about breakfast radio I like I like breakfast radio and I do breakfast podcasts and I think when I wake up on Friday morning I'll be disappointed that I was actually on this show because I'll probably listen to it anyway, but I'll be like, I was going to say that. Well, there's bits that you haven't heard. Uh, there's bits that you haven't heard. Well, I'll be heard. listening to those bits intently. Uh, so that, I, I love a bit of breakfast radio. Have we so, got a jingle? Uh, would you like one? Yeah. Go on, what do you want? Um, I don't know what you say. It's Dan Morgan, that, by the way. The there's Kev Walsh. The Weekend. Very yes, Simpsons, weekend, that. Uh, there's a song, isn't there? Weekend, uh, you're going out. Is that that? This is a song. You're going down. So I reckon, should we get the rider fella in? The rider fella is voiceover. The serious voice. Yeah, he was very dramatic. I like him. It's the weekender. He wakes you up. So there we are. This is this is what this show is. You've got Kev Walsh, you've got Dan Morgan, you've got Adam Mealy, all for the first one. They're coming up. Then we've got Ollie Kay uh, talking about the outside of you from Liverpool and on the season as a whole. Then I'm talking to the gents from Manuel. Uh, <coughs> And then these lads are going to be back talking to us about what they've got planned this weekend. And then we've got West Ham. We'll be looking forward to West Ham to end this show. Uh, so that's the show. That's the weekender for you. Uh, but let's start talking about our Liverpool week. First and foremost, Liverpool beat Torino by three goals to one. And it's a really, really funny game for me because the, there's the, I can't get the image. And it, it, it shouldn't, you shouldn't start on a negative. And it's not a negative, really, because he's had such a brilliant preseason, uh, Adam Melia. But I can't get the image of Nat Phillips whacking his head in his hands after they score out of my head. Because it was such a profound... Oh no, moments when he played so well up to that point. And then after that point, um, you know, and that's, it was. And I think it, it looks a mess, that goal. And it isn't just him. It, it, there's, there, there's both fullbacks are, are called into question for me as well. Moreno's doing his arms behind the back job, um, stopping not, not stopping the cross coming in. Trent's watching the lad the whole way. Um, but he is, he's Phillips's man. It just it, it it just looks like uh and and it's there's absolutely nothing you can do about the the, the header you know it's it's something about I think Kev the fact that he's not a senior player in that you get the impression you know what I mean if that's Van Dijk or even and especially if it's Big Dexy Lover and straight away you're looking for someone else who you can act like come on where were you there what were you up to it's the way he just sort of knows straight away oh come on that one's on me isn't it the big the best defender in the world wouldn't have even been worried about it. he'd just be like don't worry about that pre-season friendly not interested but obviously for Phillips he got the worry of oh my god am I ever going to get another chance in this team but again it's how you recover from them and he's played well after it so it's not an issue as far as I'm concerned for it. He's a real boost, I think, this pre-season Phillips. You know, the manager went out of his way out as well post-match, which makes me think the same thing that Kev's saying, that the manager's almost got him in and gone, come on, don't you worry about that. Don't you don't you be fretting about this sort of stuff, my friend. You'd like to think that we are going to see more of him. He's going to get to the very least some League Cup football because because sometimes when, when football has grabbed their opportunity, Dan, you want to see them run with it. Yeah, he's a big lad as well, isn't he? You know, it it's, sounds basic for the centre-half, but he's quite imposing on the pitch. He doesn't look out of place. But uh, I like the idea that when that goal's gone and he's, he's looked at the keeper and expected <laughs> Mignoleo Carrius and thought, I'll give one of them it. Yeah. I reckon that's what put his head in his hands, you know. He's, he's seeing, oh, I can't do it on the new fella. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, do you know what worries me? More than the goal itself. There's one in the second half where I'm going, whoa, lad, where are you going? 
where he, he completely goes the, the other way of where he should be going. He, he kind of he kind of drifts more in towards Van Dijk when he should either just play the lad offside or at least make an effort to go and close his angle. But listen, he's, he's probably I think through through him playing with us all pre season, he's probably gone into it really nervous. He started playing games of football and he's gone, it's all right this. Yeah. Sean, I'm okay. I'm, I'm kind of at a level here. And then he's probably had a bit of an awakening in that game. And you can get that with Italian sides, you know, the Wiley, the fit. And I agree with Adam. I don't think Moreno does him any favours with that goal either. But he'll be all right. And I do think he'll get games. Just in case he's listening, let's just say it was all Moreno's fault. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Moreno's used to it anyway. He's not interested, is he? It's, it's, it's all one of the keepers, lads. Still. It's, it's fine. <laughs> the interesting thing is... is... Fuck off, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. Um, he's he's not come through the the full back route, and so you know it is basically it's, it's such a tough position as a young person to, to a young player to come through in because you, you, if you are a centre half, then that's it. You know you've got to you've got to get games at some point, and you know Dan, Dan's right. There are a few um, positioning moments where I, I, you know I sort of have the thought. I can imagine him having you know a torrid time if we had the same league cup league cup away at Leicester or something. You know, and it suddenly. You know, you're you're really in it, and and that that kind of split second wrong position because it is only split second, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. you know, if you move well, the wrong way one step, then it's a reminder. It's a reminder, Adam. Certainly at the back, I think it's different. Obviously, when you're an attacking player coming through, you're right to say that. And you know, it's why, for instance, footballers, and it's interesting because they're doing the thing at the minute where where you see there's the, the sky clip of Carragher and Neville like blaming them in from 25 <laughs> yards, and it reminds you how phenomenally good they are at literally just kicking the ball. But the reason why Carragher and Neville are incre- were incredible, both of them, is because if you play at the back like that, you've got to make you know you've got to make ten decisions in a split second. You've got to think so much, and that's you know I think at times that, and even because they simple, you know at times they're brilliant analysts, but even they oversimplify it at times. That if you're playing there, you've got to, you've got to be taking in so much information and making so many decisions in a split second. It's almost good to watch someone who's maybe not quite as honed yeah. to remind you yeah. this is how hard this is. This is such a difficult position to play football in when there's when there's people moving all over the place and the ball's coming so quick. It's it's what's in front of you. It's what's behind you. It's where's that player. It's where's my keeper. It's where's my mate. And uh, and, and you know, just to go back to the fir- the first point I made, the big the big difference that that Van Dyke made, and hopefully what we think the big difference that that, that Allison will make. It's not that they never make a mistake. It's the it's the recovery from 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 a mistake. So you know, I was I was I was. I felt positive about about his performance in general and his performances. I think I said on a different show that that um, I, I'd like to know what's happening in the background in terms of the race for to for being that backup centre half. We know we haven't bought one now, um, and and I think that Gomez probably down to more more because of his injury than anything else. But I do think his progression slowed to a standstill really, and and I, and I think that that there might be. I know Klopp likes using players. To motivate other players, competition in the squad, he likes that, and I think that um, that Phillips being on Gomez's heels is a good thing for both of them. We'll do more on on the centre house as we close the show because we've got to look ahead to who is actually going to start against West Ham. I think it's a really interesting point around Gomez, and I think that the other carrot he's got both the stick of Phillips on the one hand, but the carrot of Matip's attendance or lack of attendance on the other hand to, to go on. The other thing I noticed was Kev. They didn't. They looked a little bit rusty first half, but what you can see in all three in all three games is the quality. Sorry, in all three goals is the quality of the goals that suddenly when this Liverpool side sort of snaps into the attack, even when it looked a little rusty, a little off the pace at times against Torino when it does all click they're irresistible yeah of course and what we've added into it as well with Shaqiri he seems to have slotted in obviously it's only pre-season but he's come from big clubs in Inter and um, Bayern Munich obviously not so much with Stoke but 
he's in a, he's another addition like Oxley Chamberlain, who you can see playing with the best players around him, automatically brings their game up a level. So when we, as you say, when we go forward, when we click, it, could, it all comes the the goal from uh, which Shakiri set up, come from a Henderson yeah. for Sturridge's goal. So yeah, come from a Henderson pass, which again Henderson's pass over the top there to Shakiri. He knows if he hits anywhere near that space, Shakiri's got it and he's got the ability to bring it down. So uh, <coughs> you, you have Naren to the front three, which we already know is probably the best in world football, really. So to add, to add the additions we've already got, and if, even if they just keep the level he had last year, our front three, we're going to be unstoppable. But the reality of it is, they played each other for 12 months now. You'd imagine probably Mane is looking to say, well, maybe I need to add a little bit more to my last season's performance. And if he can do that and the other two stay the same, who stops that? Nobody. Yeah, it's um, what 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 encouraged me the other night was that they were still playing in the mould of themselves. It was still very much a Liverpool mo. So you know, you could see for me, you know, was trying to drop into spaces, was trying to win it back, but you could just see that the legs were a bit heavy. Now, if they've been put through it in the morning of the game, it's completely understandable that. Yeah. But as well, like we touched on before, you you're playing a level of opposition. You know, we like we played Napoli at the weekend, we absolutely battered them, but three you no know, looked a lot fitter than Napoli did for me. So. I think I think those two things paired up mean that you know it was impressive that we were still we were still doing things in the mould of the Liverpool side that we know and love and and I think the two goals the first two goals are an example of that and even the third goal to an extent where we've just worn Torino down throughout that second half we've waited we've waited we've waited suddenly we've got that space and and it, you know it's a gorgeous ball a gorgeous header so I think there's a lot we can take from them games and the manager can then go and sell to the players on Saturday well listen lads. These aren't double sessions now, you know, or everything we've been working towards starts today. You I get up, you're fresh, you go into that game. I thought the Wijnaldum goal was was gorgeous. It was, um, it, it, my dad wasn't watching the game and texted me the next morning saying, what a goal. And, and it, mm. it, it, yeah, I've watched it again since. And it is, it's not at the level of the Chan v Hoffenheim, but there's something about that that bit of movement, um, the, the, the the backwards and forwards pass. And Firmino's through ball to, to the overlapping, you know, taking everyone by surprise, Wijnaldum. I think it's a brilliant goal. And I think that was the one moment really where it is, there, there was a couple more, but you know, that's that, that's the one that where it is, that is, you know, that's our first team playing brilliant football. And that's what we'll we'll see as Dan says, once the fitness comes back. I think the first half and the second half, this game and the game against United, it's almost like the, fir- the, the first halves have been the A team not at full pelt and the second half, and it's not wholesale changes, but it feels like the, the, in terms of the key players, it's the B team really busting a gut to show that they that, that they they want to be a big part of it. And that's why I think, um, as Kev said, I think Shakiri's come on and looked the best player both times for me. But he's, he's he, you know, he could, arguments for him being man of the match against United and against Torino. Um, uh, I might be getting my Napoli's, my Man United's confused there, but um, that, but I think I think that there's definitely been that happening, and um, and, and I think it, it it does speak volumes about how good our, our B team is going to be. Mentioning the B team, there's storage to take into account in amongst all of this as well. It seems like he's going to, you know, the sharpness of the little ball twings is the thing that I in every game he's played, every game, every preseason game, Kev, he's had some sort of little moment. He plays that one into wings, but going right the way back even to the very first game against Chester when he scores, I think he scores one and, and sets up two. Yeah. Every Every single game, there's the one, you know, he scores against Napoli, but he plays a 70-yard pass to Moreno for Moreno's goal. Every game, he's had flashes where you're just going, good, good God. And that's what's different, I think, than the previous pre-season. The previous pre-seasons, you come out of it thinking, he could be useful for us, he could be useful for us. Whereas here, there's there's, there's one or, there's been every game, one or two take-your-breath-away moments. Yeah, I think with Sturridge this season, if he is to 
play a part, which I, I'm, I know everyone says, oh, you're ready to have your heart broken by him again. Personally, I'm not as a main striker, but I think his role may be one of the ones where he, he drops back 10 yards and he's the one who takes the ball off for maybe a Fabinho or off a Cater or whoever, and he's the one who plays the little ball through to the front three, which I think is where he can come in and make the difference because the reality of it is, how many times have we seen him now where he just a sprint for the ball and it's just not there in his legs anymore. So that's fine. If that doesn't work for him, no problem. If we can figure his play around that 10 yards deeper and he puts the ball into the lads who can do them long busting runs and then maybe arrives 10 seconds later at the back post or whatever, a la what Wijnaldum's done the other night, that could be where he comes in useful for us this season, I think. And obviously, if he isn't doing that much running, you'd hope that his body can stand up to the season a little bit more. And then... The injuries aren't in there. If you get to run a form, we all know what a class player he is. I always think back to the Seville got the goal in the UEFA Cup final. He was the only player in our squad at that time who had an outside of the foot curler in him and he scored it in the biggest game of the season. So if he can get something like that going and a little bit of confidence, I'd love to see him come back and strong. I'm as, I'm, I'm as, as interested in how he's been off the pitch as he's been on it. I think there's a real shift in him mentally in terms of his... I think he's... he's I don't think he's ever taken for granted being a professional footballer in any way, shape or form. I think he's always been a, a top professional. But I think, you know, obviously he's had his injuries and his body's let him down at times. But I think now he's just embracing the fact that he's, he is playing football at the highest level for Liverpool. And I think that coupled with the fact that he thinks this is the best Liverpool side he's ever seen yeah. since he's been here, is I think it's given him a new lease of life in many ways. And, and I think that, that kind of falls into the whole thing of him now being probably one of the oldest members of the squad and also being the second longest serving player where he's he's kind of grown this kind of captain-like mentality where he's putting his arm around Kaita. You know, he's he, he's always been touted as being brilliant for young lads and coming up and coming through for advice and stuff. He's always, he's always never had the credit he deserved for that. But I think there's just a real shift in him now in terms of he's really enjoying being a footballer for Liverpool Football Club and he seems comfortable within himself. And, it, you know, whether that can be said for his body, only time will tell, but he just seems comfortable in himself as, as to where he is. One of the things that strikes me, Ed, when you mentioned the B-team thing before, though, is, and B-team's not accurate for one of these names at the very least, and I think that in the end for all three. But last season, Kev's done it just before, we've all done it, we did it all the time, we talk about the three. What about the three? Yeah. And the three have almost got to be their own entity, their own thing, they're almost their own mates. You know, you get to see the way they celebrate with each other. The storage thing that, that occurred to me, Quite early on, really, I think it was Blackburn away when, and it's come out afterwards. He wants to be, he's rooming with Kaita. He gets on really well with Kaita. He appears to have struck up a relationship with Shakiri. I mean, in the most basic sense, it's almost like he's decided, I'll get some mates here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll find some felt, you know. And I'm sure it's not that simplistic, and I'm sure he gets on perfectly well with the other three footballers. But you do sort of feel as though he's almost grabbed the opportunity to, to have new players to play with and almost gone, yeah, these are sort of my lads a little bit as well. You know, I've got yeah. a little thing going on here. It's interesting. I wonder whether I wonder what how he is in terms of pecking order and things like that. Like he's firmly down the pecking order now and seems relaxed in it. Um, and I, I was sort of thinking about back through the seasons where where we've where we've tr- had to kind of rely on him for for things, and that's been the problem. So we don't have to rely on him now. And I think from our point of view, that's great. Um, and we it, it really remains to be seen what what he, he can do because you know last. Well, 14-15, we were trying to rely on him and he was he was getting injured and, and, and doing people's heads in, basically. 15-16, um, he, he, he's in and out and, you know, scores scores some really good goals and, and it's sort of com- competing there with Origi. Origi. And then um, when we're up to 16-17, um, 
yeah, it, 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 injury prone again. And then sort of 17, 18, with the World Cup coming up, I think he feels the pressure of that, which again, there's, there's that, that pressure's off his shoulders now. Um, I, I mean, I suppose what I'm getting at is that, that I think it's good that we that, that, that we that, that he is down the pecking order for us. And I sort of feel like it's taking the pressure off for him as well. He's got nothing to lose now. Um, and and it, it's all it's all basically a positive positive thing and yeah I, I, I'm I'm glad to see that he's uh, made some friends too. A quick other one before we uh, look at the transfer deadline day that didn't happen for Liverpool. Uh, Adam Lallana in the game he, he didn't play against Napoli. Uh, came back with a calf injury which made you worry. Didn't look like he'd been injured. Uh, looked really sharp as well. Again, when you're talking about sort of B team, when you're talking about lads who, who didn't feature very much last season at all. Again, it's a hope, like it is with Sturridge, that we can get a number of games or a number of appearances out of him. But I thought he looked really sharp. Yeah, yeah, he did. And the, the, it, it's, it is a really similar story um, to Sturridge, similar story to Matip, um, where they're players who have quality that you don't want to really be relying on. Um but I thought he, I thought he looked really good. I guess they're both Sturridge and Lallana. They've lost their pace, um, and that they, they, they've both had similar things in in European finals where we've we've been leaning on them, and they, they've they, on the on the biggest stage they haven't been they haven't been able to do it. Um, but I think that Lallana does look sharp, and he looks like he he still looks angry to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know um, I don't know where where his head's at. Angry in a fairly positive way because I think Salah looks angry too. Um, so uh, I think he's got a lot a long uh, he's got a lot of, of people to fight past there. Lalana for me, I'm not sure where he figures, um, but yeah, he he looks he, he he looks he looks good. Kev, last season we watched the manager make five and a half changes on average. You can't make half a change, but five and a half changes on average every game. Uh, the first half of the season up to Christmas, just chopped and changed, chopped and changed. You can argue it disrupted us a little bit. We were crap in September and October last season. It's been glossed over in hindsight, but we not least because we bounced back. You know, it was a tough time, but we came out of it and we powered on. Drew a lot of games that maybe we should have won. Um, got battered twice in September and October. We can't do that again for our ambitions. Um, but you do still expect him to make that same number of changes. You, he's, I think he is going to go into it thinking, I've got to keep as many of these lads as fit as possible for the second half of the season. Yeah, and I think last season, the, the issue with a lot of changes early on, where we did struggle with it, was due to the squad strength and the, the numbers, which doesn't feel like it's going to be an issue this year. And what you've got to consider is the season before that, we, the legs went from us probably February onwards maybe a little bit later if you want to get no, I, th- I think you're right I think it was February onwards we, 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 we were crap in January as well there as well yeah, we, but we had a nightmare if January didn't we? And we sort of recovered in the February but then towards the end of the season it looked like a slog whereas last year it didn't feel like a slog in anything in, except for numbers which probably is because we didn't pull our guts out earlier on in the season as you say this season that can't happen because we whether we like it or not the pressure we've got to be going for the title this year because the, we're, we will not get a better chance than this from from our own point of view obviously it depends on what Man City do but the likes of Lallana they play a key part in that because those changes making the, the changes last year would have been taking the likes of a Lallana out for a another whereas this is going to be bringing a Lallana in for Shakiri, for Keita, for whoever. And that, that step up in quality should, you'd think, especially in the home games that we do in that period, make the difference where the one point turns into three. And you turn five of those draws into wins in that period, you're absolutely flying by, by January time. I, I, I think you're completely right. I think I think if you're this manager now, you've got a body of evidence not only to say, well, I rotated last year. So if you, if you look at a Lalana storage, you say you'll get your games. 
you know, it's not until after Christmas the side actually settles down in 2 and 11, but he might say to them, well, I don't, I don't want that after Christmas. I want to keep this going. And then we get to March and then we look at going power and through with, with who's in form and we go with who isn't injured and stuff like that. But also, I, I think there's enough of a of a thing around this manager now where you can, you can safely say he's had a conversation with everyone in that squad and gone, are you more bothered about winning the league with Liverpool or yourself? And if it's yourself, I'll happily let you move on. And I think where, where he then goes with that is says, well, lads, I've already, I've already just done an interview with the Anfield Rap and I've told them I can't have five kids on the bench next year. We're going to all have to cough for this in some way. Do you know what I mean? We're all going to have to deal with this and cough for this in a little bit. And, and if I need you to come on the bench on 85 and do me a job for 10 minutes, then you're going to have to do that for the sake of us getting over 90 points this season. So I think there's a sell there and I think... I think Lalana likes storage. You're seeing that determination in them to go, we can do something this year. And if it's a case of sacrificing me in many ways for the for the sake of a league title, then I'm on board with that. I I suppose I worry um that I, I wonder when whether he's gonna have enough chances to keep himself in good nick myself with Lalana, because I think he is um I think he, he he gets better the more he plays. And I wonder how often he's going to have those opportunities to do that. Same with, you know, um, people like Ings as well. You know, the, the 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 players that you could tell would would be able to do do something for a team. Um, but but will they will they have chance to will they have chance to to do that in enough of in enough of a rhythm? Um, I'm just I, I, as I think about it, I'm sort of not sure where they get the, the these regular games from. Okay, this has been the first part of our weekender. Uh, just after this, I will be speaking to Ollie Kay about the view from the outside the Liverpool bubble and what Manchester City are likely to do. It is our Reds bet feature that we drop into the middle of the weekender show, as it now is. Uh, we've been doing this now since the start of 2018. We're very proud to do so. We also did our transfer deadline day show uh, today, listeners, and that was in association with Reds Bet as well. Uh, it was something that we were looking to do all the way through the year, and they've supported us in that. We're very, very pleased indeed that they did so. Let's start off with all the caveats. We are very, very clear that if you don't gamble, don't worry whatsoever about the Red Bet segment or anything like that. What Red Bet are asking people to do who do occasionally gamble if they enjoy it is to come over and do so with them because 50% of your losses slash their profits go into fan-related causes. We've talked today to supporters from Shrewsbury and Doncaster and Millwall to name a few, uh, but it's been going into Liverpool-related causes as well and Red's better working away on that all the time. So the Liverpool specials this week are absolutely fascinating. Uh, what we have is we have the first one that grabs my attention is Liverpool to score 100 or more Premier League goals and Reds better got that priced up at 25 to 1 25 to 1 for Liverpool to score 100 or more Premier League goals uh, if you allow the fact that we've maybe got three lads who could all break 20 could possibly all break 25 that's an intriguing bet they've got it at 25 to 1 uh, it might be worth thinking about uh, they've got Alison Becker to keep a clean sheet on his league debut at 5 to 4 that is 5 to 4 uh, for the game against West Ham United that one's sitting there as well at the moment. Also, also, they've got Daniel Sturridge to score the last goal, or Jadon Shakiri to score the last goal. Five to one Sturridge, thirteen to two Shakiri. If you think either of Liverpool's two preseason sensations are going to find a way to stick the ball in the back of the net, uh, you can do that one. I might back Shakiri in a Rob Gutman-esque manner. You never know. Uh, there's loads and loads of little bits and pieces going right the way through the Red Bet special page. Uh, they've got, for instance, Mo Salah to score from outside the box for eleven to two. Uh, they've got Becker to save a penalty at twenty-five to one. Uh, at any point during the game, they've uh, lengthened 
Sterling's odds on a number of these little things. They've got Mo Salah to win the PFA Player of the Year. It's 10 to 1 for Mo Salah uh, to win the PFA Player of the Year. Liverpool to be top of the league on Christmas Day is 6 to 1. I think this is all interesting across the board. Loads of lovely little specials there. The other thing that I'll draw your attention to, though, is the Fantasy League on Fans Bet or Reds Bet. If you want to play with your friends and encourage them to do so, you can get one free entry via Fans Bet or Reds Bet. Uh, and that entry is worth £22 and you're part of a prize pool for 100000 uh, It's the sort of Fantasy League you can have a go at. And if you're doing very, very well indeed, you can be all over it come November and if you're not it just sort of drops off the other side anyway regardless of all of that as I said before if it's not for you that's absolutely fine uh, let's all look forward to having an exciting weekend watching Liverpool uh, this is the Anfield Rapper thank you very much to Redbet begambleaware.org see you in a bit welcome back it's Neil Atkinson speaking to Ollie Kay and getting the sort of flavour of you know we can get stuck in our Liverpool bubble to be honest with you earlier at times and I know Liverpool are a big noise across the country that's what you want to be it's, it's part of being successful is being a big noise but yeah is there something here where the the rest of the supporting world, the rest of the football supporting country has got their eyes on Liverpool this season? Is the general perception outside of our bubble, it's Liverpool who will come closest to Manchester City? Or are we sort of talking ourselves up into a frenzy? No, I, th- I, I think there's a, a, a lot of the media and probably a lot of neutral fans, if such a thing still exists, um, that, um, that would say Liverpool are best placed at the moment um, to, to, to challenge. I, I mean, obviously they were fourth last season, Manchester United second and, and uh, with an impressive points total. But um, I think most people would look at Man United's summer and difficult times in the transfer market, tensions between manager and um, chief executive, tensions, tensions between manager and players. Um, there's been a cloud over them. Obviously, it's um, it doesn't take much to lift a cloud in terms of... Um, you know, performances, victories, but um, they have they have gone into, or they appear to be going to the summer in a, in a slight, uh, slightly unhappy place. Tottenham um, have struggled to find reinforcements. Arsenal are unpredictable because they're you know the new manager, unknown quantity. I think everybody expects improvement, but how much improvement? It, it's hard to say. And Chelsea, to extent, are. Uh, an unknown as well because because they're under a new manager. We've seen them gal- galvanised under new, new management before, yeah. but it's um, but it, 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 it's been a strange summer for them, very unsettling summer with with um, ins and outs and potentials potential ins and outs. And I think a lot of people would look at the business Liverpool have done and to do it so smartly, so early, expensively certainly. Um, but they've got I think four of the five main targets. Um, They've pursued them in a very clinical um, way. They've got them. And I think people look at the work Klopp has done so far and say that, yeah, if anyone is is capable of uh, challenging Man City, and, and it probably is an if, um, then it would appear that Liverpool are best placed at the moment. The, the if part's important, isn't it? I mean, I think that I think this is one of the reasons why people are actually talking about Liverpool a little bit more. It's because this idea, well, someone's got to get near mm. them. Please let someone mm. get near them. Let's not have another situation where it's all finished, whether mathematically or not, by February. Mm. And that it strikes me that's an urgency. I mean, I I think it's really difficult to tell yourself the story that Manchester City are going to drop more than let's say nine points from mm. where we finished last season. It's it is very difficult, isn't it, to to, to rationalise the idea they're getting fewer than ninety points this season. Yeah. And then, and then, what was the deficit last season? Twenty-five points between us and them. Yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. More, just twenty-four. I think so, then. so then you're looking at, um, at Liverpool finishing fifteen points, yeah, better off, which is um, 
it, you know, it's probably within their capabilities if they perform to their absolute peak of their powers. But, but then you've got to say, if Liverpool perform to 100% and City drop as many points as you have just said, you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's 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 a it's a fairly small um, it's a, f- a fairly small probability that both of those things happen. Obviously, it can happen, but I think City's dominance last season was so much and so extreme. And it, and it really was extreme. I know, yep. I, know, I know a lot of people were saying, "Oh, well, what do you expect when 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 they spend hundreds of millions?" But but the, the money they spent was generally on a lot of the money they spent was on players who, who weren't really contributing much. It yep. was it was Laporte, well, it was Mendy, Mendy, for the whole season. Mendy who was injured. It was Kyle Walker, who everybody was well, a lot of people said was overpriced when he when he signed. It's Man City's performance last season was, I think. Uh, underappreciated by some. Yep. I think there's a danger when the media are telling everybody it's amazing that people go the other way and, and try to rationalise it. But it was an amazing season and it is so, so hard for Liverpool, for Man United, for Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal to try to compete with that. And I think to try to haul them back this season, to, to, to go from a, a 25-point deficit to, to being neck and neck with them, is, you need two things to happen. One is to make an enormous improvement yourself, which I think most Liverpool fans will expect and believe will happen but you're looking for quite a serious regression from City and that's less easy to predict when you're preparing for the season when you're speaking to people at different clubs the one thing that I do sort of wonder is there was a game second half of the season quite deep into the season March I think it was Newcastle went to the Etihad Mm -hmm. and what I noticed was they very much had the idea of containment for an hour and it was all very Rafa Benitez it was Mm -hmm. as though a flag dropped and then (laughs) it was 10-15 minutes of suddenly Newcastle Mm -hmm. having something that looked like much more of a go certainly more Mm -hmm. of a go than they managed at home Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was as though they'd gone no this is the plan the plan is to absorb 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 and then we're going to try and do something do you think there will be a desire through the season to have more of a go at City from other sides or do you think that there's just this idea of you know look at what they did to Stoke last season that if, if, if you do try to get something out of them there's every chance that you know 15 minutes later before you know where you are you're four down and you're just getting punished I mean do you think that the, the the other sides in the division outside the top six will have a better plan for City or do you think it's going to be more of let's just see where they go well I, th- I think you will see two different approaches I mean the way Liverpool played against against them I mean the the, the Obviously, the, the two games at Anfield, they went perfectly to plan. I, th- I don't think you could say the second leg at the um, Etihad went perfectly to no. plan. I think it was sort of clinging off for dear life in, in the um, in the first in, in in the first half, and then suddenly City ran out of steam, and Liverpool really came to their own in the second half of that game. Then you look at the the, the league game in September, um, and obviously Liverpool started like a house on fire. And then they fell behind, and then Mane got sent off, and then it ends up five 0 So you've got Klopp's sort of high-risk approach, high-wire approach, which paid fairly spectacular spectacular dividends, but they, but they were kind of outplayed in two of those games. Yeah. Um, certainly not outplayed in the other two. And then you look at other other teams, other teams aren't really equipped to do that, or certainly not many teams are equipped to do that. I think the Newcastle game that you mentioned was, was soon or... Maybe even the match or two matches after the after the four three at Anfield. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying, "Well, Klopp's shown everyone how to have a go, how to have a go at City." And yet, the next games, I think, were Newcastle at home and West Brom at home. Now they can't, they 
They can't play like that. Yeah. Uh, those teams can't begin to play like that. You and, felt like Newcastle put all the chips on 10 minutes. If we can do it for 10 minutes yeah, yeah. to get a goal or maybe yeah, even yeah. two, great. But then yeah. it was like, no. Exactly. And, and we saw a lot of teams do that. But there, there was a run of three games that City played in around about November, December, where they played. Uh, let me get it right. It was Huddersfield away, Southampton at home, West Ham at home, where those three teams did a really good job on them and really contained them well and counterattacked well. And I think all of those games were... Uh, 1-1 going into the last sort of five minutes, maybe even going into stoppage time in some of those cases. And yet City still found a way uh, to win all three of those games, late, 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 late goals, particularly the game against Southampton when um, Guardiola lost his, 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 his head a bit. But it was... Um, no, the, those three games are probably more of more relevance to the the less talented teams in the division. Than, than, the, yeah. than the Liverpool games. I, I don't think you could get many teams trying to emulate what Liverpool did. And, and when we talk about different ways of playing against them, well, I saw Bournemouth have a go against them. And, and I think, was it 4-0 that they, they lost at, at, at the Etihad? It was um, it was certainly very one-sided. I saw Tottenham have a go at them and lose, I think it was 4-1 perhaps. Both, both home and away. Both um, home and, away. and I mean... The, the fact is, they they can City can cope with both approaches. If, if you if you defend, if you I mean the, the, the clock line about camping on the edge of the box, hoping to win the lottery. Um, I don't think you could get. I don't think you could expect Liverpool to to play that way. And 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 I mean, we saw in in Rome that that's that's not Liverpool's game, is it? But it, it, the reality is, if you play your game against City, whether whether it's a um, whether it's a high-risk game as Liverpool played or whether it's a, um, an almost devoid-of-risk game like Newcastle and West Brom played, the, the chances of getting a result against them are very, very slim. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna ask you for a prediction, but it's not going to be the normal type of prediction. I'm going to ask you whether or not Liverpool will be the last side who can mathematically catch Manchester City. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, if, if that's roughly equivalent of saying, are they the team you're backing to finish... In, in in the top two, then I think I am at the moment. And last little bit is what weekend will we will we know whether or not Liverpool can catch Manchester City? What will be the, how how far will Liverpool take it? What mathematically? Yeah, well, yeah. Will it be will, it, will we get to May? Will it be the last week of April? Will it be the week before? Well, you sound you're sounding um, you're sounding very sort of realistic, pragmatic. Um, I wouldn't say pes- it, pe- pessimistic, but 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 you're um, <laughs> no. I, I, I'm not expecting Liverpool to win the league. I, I, I'm expecting Man City to win the league. If you're saying, is it by three points, six points, nine points, um, whatever it was, nineteen points as last season? I, I don't think it would be like last season. I think I could see Liverpool getting within ten to fifteen points of of them if things go. If Liverpool improve in the expected manner, if City then drop off as as. You know, to, to a small extent, you know, maybe it could be a, a very close thing, and, that, and that's not me saying it's it's a one horse race, and um, you know it should be a, a handicap system um, deployed. But it's it's just hard to see, it's hard to see any team making up that gap, and we've seen some terrible title defenses over the over the past um, yep. few seasons. I think four of the past five champions have finished at least twenty points worse off the following season. I don't see that happening with with Pep Guardiola's city but the fact is that even if they finish 15 points worse off they'll they'll probably still win it
Lord timepieces are behind this insert on the Anfield app's first ever weekender, first ever weekender. Uh, so they're sponsoring this. They are a watch provider and you can get 15% off your order by going to lordtimepieces.com forward slash wrap. Um, you've, you're trying it on there, Kev. You're, uh, you're, you're, you need to grab your microphone, by the way. Yeah. Rather knock I'll, I'll bring this back over here. I was a bit obsessed with the watch there. For the talking fair. purposes, you're quite the fan. It, it came out the box. The box is nice first and foremost. It came out the box and you were all over it. The box is lovely and I'd prefer if, if we're keeping any part of this, I'll keep the watch. You can have the box if that's all I'm doing. It is, a, it is it's, it's a lovely watch uh, from, from Lord. Um, it's an online first brand. It doesn't follow a sort of traditional retail models and they're trying to keep the prices down by doing that sort of thing. But you can see, um, you know, on the whole, we get this stuff sent so we can check it out and we only really talk about this stuff if once we've checked it out we think it's cool and I think that's pretty cool. You think it's cool? I think it's very cool. Lovely brown strap on this one. The nice dark face on it. Skeletal, I believe, is the... Uh... The way you describe you, it. The watch game, Kev? I don't, I don't mind the watch. I've got a rather nice watch when I was a Rolex, but I'll just say. I've got a, Ro- I've got a Rolex, which is a, a lovely watch I got from my graduation. So it's like 15 years old, but this is a very nice watch. It'd be a lovely um, lovely watch with a nice shirt because it's got a nice brown strap on it with a gold buckle. So it's definitely a, it'd be a nice addition to my watch collection, I'd say. It's. Um, I'm not a watch person, but this is. It's, it has actually genuinely got my attention. You can sound off when you do this stuff, Dan. I, I tend not to wear a watch. You wear a watch. Yeah, I, I do, and, and I think an occasion watch is, is important when you wear when you wear your watch and what type. I think this is really nice. I think it's got a lot of presence, uh, first and foremost. Um, but I think it also bridges the uh, the the thing between casual and formal. Like you know, you can you can get both in with this. I think it's uh, I think it's it's it can do both of those jobs simultaneously. And uh, it's a touch of class. I like it, Neil. Big fan. It, uh, yeah, it is. It is a touch of class indeed. It is there for for people who can get excited about things and can 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 dig in. That's what they're about. That's what they're saying they're about. And I think you can see that they're, they're trying to do a thing or two here. I'm always intrigued by online online brands down in that. I think you can you can get it wrong, but then I think when it does go right, it's something you can end up with a product that that can be cheaper, but also can be half decent. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when you when you when you're seen as niche in some way, um, and and you know, it's, it's a supply demand thing. I'd imagine. I mean, I'm not a businessman in any way, but I'd imagine if if you you've got a product that is isn't in the shops, um, and is only online, then you know you can you can very very quickly find yourself in in high demand and. It's the thing as well of being online, of actually having the anticipation and excitement of waiting for something. Well, there's important us here in this little insert. So it's lowtimepieces.com forward slash wrap. If you've got to put a discount code in and amongst there, it's wrap as well. And obviously that's wrap with a W, uh, W-R-A-P. Uh, so lowtimepieces.com forward slash wrap. Uh, so thank you very much to them for sponsoring this. 15% off if you go through there. Uh, they like to say this. This is their business quote. Master your time, master your destiny. Uh, I like that sort of thing, really. Um, I, I could do with being on time more often, so you never know. They could be correct. This is the Anfield Wrap Weekender. Joined by Sean McGiven and Stu Fitzgerald from Manuel League. I'll just start with League, but I'm going to pull back Stu on League. And now, yeah. you know, I've been I've been part of this 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 Manuel experiment that you've been working so hard on. And one of the things that struck me is that it isn't just a football league. You're trying not to just be a football league. What you're actually trying to do is do something which is to have quite a significant impact on 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 male health in a number of different areas, both physical and mental, to some degree, in the Liverpool area. And yeah. it's gone pretty well. It's going fantastically well so far. We uh, we filled the league of 96 players without really trying, without any publicity, without much wear the mouth marketing even. Um, but you're right, it's the, the more exciting thing is the, is the impact that we can have on men's lives, which in turn has a, has a fantastic social impact on, on their families' lives. Really excited about it. We talk about six pillars. One's the activity weight loss, one's mental health, 
one's physical conditions that men generally don't go to doctors about and inform and educate around that. Another angle that we're talking to people about is uh, essentially social inclusion, getting involved in things and getting active again, getting friends around you again. People get tied up in families and, and, and lost to work and other things, so stop investing in their friendships. I guess the fifth thing would be healthy shopping, cooking and nutrition. And then the sixth element is once you've done all that, people start to feel better, feel more empowered, more fulfilled, lighter. People are looking at them a little bit different and that kind of empowers them to try and stretch their potential beyond what they might have previously limited it to. It's it's important, Sean, isn't it, that people don't, when we discuss Manuel, strong social media presence, as I say, I play in the league, uh, that it, it is... It's not to be limited. It shouldn't be discussed in a limited sense. There's there's all sorts of activities. There's there's people doing uh, sessions of boxing. There's sessions of cycling. You turned up with your bike today. I don't know if you're on an official one or you're just you know <laughs> constantly an ambassador. There is um, you know, but there is a desire, isn't there? A serious desire to just to sort of say to people, help people make it make a change in their life if that's what they feel they need to make. Yeah, of course. Uh, from my own personal point of view, I've suffered especially through me my teenage years and into me. Sort of right up to probably mid twenties uh, with depression, and and I still do because I, I believe it's something that you never truly get over. Mm-hmm. And before Manuel came about, it was very much a case of it's just me. Am I a bit weird? You know, it, it, um, it was an isolated thing. Whereas more and more, I mean, literally week by week, the story is going up, and men are opening up to other men. And all of a sudden, one person does it, and it's ah, it's not just me. Yeah, that's similar to me. And then another person does it, and another person does it, and that's 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 right down from lads who, who are a bit nervous of, of joining for whatever reason, right up to myself and Stu. It's Stu. The key, key word that it's interesting as Sean speaks because you said, yeah, I think you said it twice when you were describing the six pillars. Uh, inclusion appears to me to be the key word. The idea that people have found themselves, for whatever reason, it can be the health, it can be you know, it can be physical health, it can be mental health, it can just simply be circumstance that there's people have found themselves excluded from yeah. from from aspects of society, <clears throat> and that the, the the idea that behind the program, what's underpinning it, is how to how to bring that inclusion about, how to include as much as possible. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's no surprise to, perhaps it is a surprise to some, that suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 40. That's a quite depressing stat. Suicide is more prevalent in areas of massive deprivation. Liverpool's still the fourth out of 326 councils in, in the country is the fourth most deprived. When you've got health inequalities, financial, socioeconomic inequalities, you've got unemployment, You've got four, five, six generations of, uh, of poor health. All those factors multiply. And as a result of that, people who are not working, even people who are working, get trapped in a cycle. They're either trapped in a cycle of personal social exclusion or they're trapped in a cycle of in a job, eight, nine, ten hours a day, home, home to wife and family in the evenings, next day go back to a job, no time, no money, Saturday, Sunday, to go and spend with friends, being social, not necessarily on the lash, or out doing other social things. It's just being included. And the number of people who've talked to us from the very first week before we even played football in September last year, people started to unburden and said, you know, it's nice to know that there's 18 or 20 other lads around. Well, guess what? There's now 150 lads around doing this thing involved in so many different things and people are just building lifetime bonds over it. So 
the first season's about to complete. I know that because all are in the cup final. Yeah. Uh, getting the greens, great set of lads. Uh, wider Bremen, what a team. Uh, we'll, all have, we'll have bonds that will celebrate forever, even though I've only played three times. Um, there is, there is, Stu, yeah. a desire, therefore, to, to expand the programme going forward. We're going to talk about the fun bit in a minute, the big thing that's happening um, in, in a couple of weeks' time, but yeah. there is a desire, first and foremost, to say to anyone who's listening, get in touch, get involved, give us a shout feel free to come and be part of it. Totally. Just simply look at our website, manwell.org.uk. Have a look at what the some of the stories that are there. Have a look at the impact we've made on some people's lives. Have a look at the inclusion we've created for lads. Join the 96 who are part of it for these last eight to 10 weeks. And then quite simply from um, early October, we'll have a brief in the middle of September. Early October, we'll kick on with the new league of 12 sides of 12 men playing seven-a-side footy and having a blast while we do it. Having a blast indeed, and part of the blast is the, the, the world record attempt, Sean. Do you want to tell everyone what, what the world record attempt is? Yep, that's, uh, we'll be doing this next month, and it will be an attempt to not score, but tee. <laughs> the, uh, you can't be too score, that, that's too much. That's got a bit much. Yeah, uh, to take the most amount of penalties in one hour by an individual. So one of our lads, Ryan Forrester, has been picked out the hat, so he'll be doing that for us. Uh, the target is, well, the current world record is 250. So, ideally, I'd like to get to 300, but that's me. I'm not kicking the ball and doing <laughs> me kneeing. So, uh, 251 will do. So, he's, so, let's just get this straight. They've got to be proper penalties, spotted. He's got to step back, then he's got to get yep. the ball, then he's got to do it again, and then that's what happens over and over again. And there's got to be a referee to blow the whistle to make sure everything's legit. The keeper's got to be on the line. It's got to be on a FIFA um, standard pitch. The goals have got to be correct. Size 5 football. There's... A lot to do with it. A lot of a lot of hoops yeah. to jump through. I'll be honest, a hell of a lot more than they anticipated when it when it actually enrolled in it. <laughs> and, a, and quite a substantial physical physical challenge. Those two yards he's gonna be he's gonna be moving to and from the spot. Somebody spotting the ball you know, three hundred times in sixty minutes. And, and for the keeper as well. Massive well, keepers. Might be different keepers, but we we've certainly only allowed one one player. And if you're bought after three minutes because he's pulled at Ami, yep. game over. We have to wait to, wait till next year and have another go. So how many does he have to get a minute? What's it, how many does he have to take a minute? Well, basically, if we look, we're looking at five a minute. Five a minute. That'll, that'll give us three hundred. That's a lot of penalties in a minute. I mean, Absolutely. I was just saying that. I mean, he's got to, to start strong and maybe start with six. One every twelve seconds. So he's, he's got to start on eight to ten, as far as I can see. And then, <laughs> and then, and then be shattered by the uh, by the forty. He, he can have a break during that one hour, but the one hour continues. So uh, I've spoke to him, and you know that's that's fine if he wants a break, but he he can have a break on two four nine with ten minutes left. We have, a, we have a small whip behind him and a, and a, a pint of Stella and a chalice on the, on the yeah, byline. Yeah, I was about to say there's the, there's inclusion and then there's there's a gun to his head and I think I think Absolutely. you managed to walk the fine line between the two here, gents. Manuel Archery. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah. all, all the information that Stu said, I'm going to get, it to get him to say it again in a minute, but as I say, I've been part of the programme uh, and a couple of a couple of the other contributors, the Anfield app have been as well and people have enjoyed themselves massively and met people as well and it's been nice and it's been nice to have a place to go down and play some football. And the other thing I would stress, and in fact it's an important part, is that it isn't about the level of football that you're playing at. You know, I'm probably one of the, probably in the, in the middle into one of the sort of the poorer in terms of fitness and, and ability in our side, but it, the atmosphere, everything's been completely welcome, everyone's been spot on. 
And I think that, you know, across the board, that's what I've seen across all the leagues and all the, the informal games as well, is that the attitude is just come and enjoy your football. There'll be a place for you. There'll be a place for you to play for an hour. Don't think for a second that there's anyone who's going to be screaming at you because you're giving it away cheaply or anything like that, which is, you know, great news for me. Um, Stu, go on, give the, give the information again. Okay, so it's uh, manwell.org.uk. Follow us on Twitter. I think we've got a Facebook page for young people. Um, just just a point on the age, actually, John. Uh, sorry, Neil, as you mentioned it. Is simply that we've got lads playing from the age of 18 up to 62. We've got lads of 12 stone up to 32 stone. We've got lads who are relatively fit, who are playing with older guys who are relatively less fit and much fatter than themselves. And everybody is involved. There's empathy flying around between lads. Maybe we're not necessarily known for empathy amongst the, the male race. But uh, we've got all that going on. It's fantastic. Manwell.org.uk. There we go. What you need, let's uh, get back over. All the bits done there for the weekender. So you've had Ollie Kay, you've had Manuel. You're now back with Dan, with uh, Kev and with Adam uh, talking through what their weekend plans hold and Liverpool as a whole. Because what I want to give you the flavour of on this show is the city of Liverpool, is what's going on, is anything that's happening across the board. So for instance, I know that on Saturday night by the Rockets, there's a Neil Diamond and Meatloaf tribute act on. <laughs> is, there is, is it yeah. Pete Loaf from Benidorm because if it is I'm going I don't, I don't know if it's Pete but I, I, it's one fella who does both Neil Diamond and Meatloaf so I, don't, I, I mean I don't know it, it, yes, that face is the face wow. that he wants uh, that is the, the accurate face I don't know yeah. where I'm going Saturday anyway doesn't get bigger straight down to Meat Diamond <laughs> I can't wait for some of the jingles he's doing there. Money yeah. talks like a bat out of hell. <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, that's happening, but other things are happening as well in Liverpool City Centre across the course of the weekend. So these gentlemen are going to let you know the flavour of their weekends and anything else that's going on as we develop this feature. We're going to look to push. Um, Dan, what are you up to this weekend? Well, it's my first one home in a while, to be honest. Um, so I've uh, I've got a bit of dinner planned um, Friday, catching up with a mate. Um, I think I'm going to do Mowgli on Bold Street. Very nice, such a class. Yeah. It's just a solid shout, isn't it? The yoghurt bombs in there, just, just thought 20 plates of them and be happy. You're happy with them? Oh, Honestly, when this feature, when this feature nickels down, I am, sorry, buckles down, I am getting Nisha in here. Yeah. Honestly, Nisha can come in, she can bring some food, oh, we can yeah. have a lovely big chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, on that one. it's great for me, like, obviously on, on the vegan front. Um, oh, yeah, top for that. But they've got their own, they've got their own menu and it's... Um, I mean, chickpeas, uh, temple dal. Oh, I mean, it, it's great. And, and the friend I'm going with, she, uh, she like she's not into sharing food. Like so, she, she goes big on like what she's into and stuff. And, and I go obviously big on on the non meat stuff. So, just uh, it's a great place if you ever if you've not been down there before. It's, it's halfway up Bold Street. It's easy to miss, but it's called Mowgli Street Food. It's, uh, it's a fantastic place. So that's Friday night. Um, Saturday is mainly football because obviously the season kicks off uh, and I'm very excited by it. So I've got this little thing where um, I've got family in McGull and obviously like being a city lad, living in the, uh, in the city alone, it's nice to just go down there sometimes and get weighted on and that. So yeah, go and see the wolves. Yeah, go, go, go and see how the other half live. <laughs> <laughs> Go and watch someone mow the lawn for about four hours. So, uh, so I'm gonna go down to suburbia, i.e. McGull, uh, and uh, and just just chill out really, watch the footy, and then Sunday's the Reds in it. So, um, so yeah, quite a quite a mix of of not doing much, but still keeping my hand in. Keep your hand in, uh, Adam. How are you keeping your hand in? Um, I'm gonna go to the Strange Collective all day at Constellations. On Saturday, um, my brother's band mints me to playing, and uh, another band that I know someone in Table Scraps from Birmingham. They're they're on, 
and presumably Strange Collective are on because it's their thing. They're releasing um, um, an album or a single, one or the other. But yeah, they're, they're, so that's on it. Constellations, which is a good place, um, soon to probably be turned into flats. But you know, I'm sure that was the plan all along. <laughs> you can still buy tickets for that if you want to. If you, you listen can. to what yeah, Adam's yeah, doing, I was just, I was just looking on, a, on on the old Skiddle. Then um, tickets are um, ten quid. Ten, yeah. Well, Eight pounds plus booking fee, nine pounds oh five. Nine pounds oh five, yeah. Um yeah, so uh, yeah, get down there if you want to see me. Um <laughs> <laughs> or all the music and have a lovely time. Yeah, you know. Um uh, and then yeah, just go and go and watching the Reds on, on Sunday. I, I think I'll probably um do something around do, just cook something on Friday night. What um what 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 what's your bar game city centre on Sunday? Have you got anything in particular plans, uh, or are you just going to be in and out, or what's your thought process? You know, you know me, Neil. I know exactly where to go drink in town around the football. I've only been only been watching watching and drinking around the football for. It's for twenty it's years. It's, it's mad how difficult it is. I, I just mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I think we're gonna. Um, I'm planning to. Um, Get a brekkie before maybe into back. I don't know. I sort of like I, I, I like the idea of lingering up the top end of town and getting a getting a breakfast, depending on whether the people who've got children can be released from those duties before. Um, and then um, I'd like to I'd, I'd like to have a mojito at some point. I think it always makes you feel better. Good breakfast cocktail. So you want the mojito for breakfast? <laughs> maybe we'll see. Not and then um, yeah, I do now. And then um, there was talk of trying to watch Pete Price's karaoke and the grapes on Matthew Street because I didn't know that existed. Um, this is absolutely wild. Oh, it does. Been a, it's been a I know it exists, but the idea of going is makes me question here. Oh, oh, sorry to break your heart here, but I'm sure the grapes was closed, hasn't it? No, it closed. So again? I said that, but the, the response I got was it closed for about a day and everyone got upset. And then it oh, so it again. just like closed in the night and was open the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was thrown out started spreading yeah. those rooms. I thought he was in the crowd. <laughs> I always thought he was in the crop. No, he's in the grapes. No, he's no, not in the crop. No, no, yeah. the, the, the crop wouldn't have Pete Price. I was, I was just about to say Pete Price in the crop. You're, you're, you're yeah. in the wrong ball game there, aren't you? The crop in its own sound, Pete Price, not so much. The crop has a really strong Sunday karaoke game as well, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, the, the standard oh, crop karaoke the, on a Sunday. Jimmy's karaoke. I know. It, I mean, you've got to be good to climb up on that tall stage. You've got to really, fancy yourself. It has a really up. strong amateur football game on a Sunday, the crop as well. It's just like, just like little firms of amateur football teams from all across Liverpool and Corners. Yeah. You go to the bar and go, someone goes, lad, I played against you on lower breath in 2010. Sounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that, that's you done? Maybe, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what time Pete Price finishes. Also, he's been a, he's been a Tory again on Twitter, so there might be people throwing ashtrays at him. Who knows? Well, we maybe, all, it won't go, maybe it won't happen. We could all do with that, without that. Poor Pete. Uh, <laughs> poor old Pete. Poor old Pete. Uh, Kev, what, what are your weekend plans? We've got a busy old weekend, mate. Tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on the Friday, which you will be, is my anniversary with the... Oh, mate. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Six years married tomorrow, or today as it is. So out with me missus tomorrow. The kids are getting minded. Thank Isn't it your Lord. birth anniversary as well? <laughs> <laughs> my birth anniversary is on Sunday, Adam, right. around the Reds. So Friday, out with me missus. Some, a little wander around town, a few bevies, and then we should, we'll decide where we want to be. We've had a few few drinks in us, but Mowgli will definitely be up there when we're, uh, we're talking about it. So that's Friday. Then Saturday, it'll be time to avoid picking the kids up for as long as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> which is always my game after I've been out with my missus on, the, on any night out so Saturday I'll probably do that and then I might <laughs> what's, your, what's your record can you get to half three do you think 
uh, if I've picked them up by half three, I've failed. <laughs> oh, I'm just not, just turning into your street now. <laughs> no, I, I spend all day the day after being out trying to get somebody else to mine them, but also that other person to pick them up. So no, basically it's my mother or her mother. <laughs> so I'm trying to get them to drop them off to each other, which has worked once or twice, but I don't think it'll be working this weekend, unfortunately, because I'm out on a Sunday as well. <laughs> so that'll be my game Saturday. If I can keep them out... <laughs> that long. <laughs> Power through. If I can keep them out that long, I might go and watch like City of Liverpool or someone like that Saturday afternoon. There'll be as out to be many bevies. There'll be a few, but not many on the Saturday. And then Sunday, obviously my birthday, so get up in the morning, presents and that with the kids. Then we're out for twelve, a few bevies before the match, and then a good few bevies afterwards. And then I've got the uh, the lovely way of winding a weekend down on Monday at half four. I'm getting a snip. <laughs> 4 30 pm 4 30 pm i'm in the spire on penny lane to get the snip so they recommend uh extremely heavy weekend before, <laughs> <laughs> before you do that don't they? Say, save on the pain medication just get absolutely wellied all over the weekend but yeah that, that's my uh, that's my weekend book ended with the wonder of that i tell you what this segment i don't think it's ever gonna be i thought i i thought we'll just build this as we go and we'll work out what we're about but if next week people aren't getting vasectomies i'm gonna be really disappointed <laughs> about it, I'll give up next week going for sex to me then lads. <laughs> yeah. to walk in and to hear yeah, to Craig, yeah Craig's yeah. just come just into this show in, indeed indeed see you later Craig Craig, Craig we're literally Craig. recording a show here mate but you know what I mean you're enjoying yourself you're having a lovely time <laughs> <laughs> Get this on the Grimshaw, do you? You don't get this on the Grimshaw, you get on City Talk either. Trust me, that's a, that, that'll be more sedate and disciplined tomorrow. <laughs> Snip news is spectacular. So that's our weekends anyway. That's these three, these three gentlemen's weekends. We're going to be doing more and more with this. We're going to try and get some interviews with people who are doing stuff. I'll be honest with you, listeners. If you've been, if you've been paying attention, I've just done the transfer deadline day for five and a half hours, so we haven't had uh, the ability to quite nail this little bit yet, but we will. And uh, next week, there may not be vasectomies. Don't go anywhere, we'll be back in a sec. <laughs> Welcome back to Weekend. It's Neil Atkinson, it's Dan Morgan, it's Kev Walsh, and it's Adam Media, and we're all looking, we're all excited. Uh, let's be honest about this. Let's get this the right way around. We're all really, really excited about Liverpool going to West Ham United. Uh, well, sorry, facing West Ham United at Anfield at the weekend. But it's not going to be as straightforward, I think, as maybe even the media are presenting more than Liverpool supporters, to be honest with you, Dan. Almost everyone I'm speaking to is not nervous, but they're all going, could be a tough game this, you know, because they've made a few buys, they look lively, and they're going to know what they're about. Yeah. Um... It's 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 the the unknown elements of West Ham now, isn't it? You know, if it's Moyes and it's it's near enough last season's team, you'd be going into a confident knowing what you're going to get. But they've got decent players all around the pitch. You know, Arnautovic is rated by near enough everyone I think who comes on here and the Anfield rap. We've seen he had a good game at Anfield last season, um, and I think in many ways, you know, they will be a handful. The, the thing, even down to fitness, you know, West Ham I think have matched us in terms of of pre-season games, so. You, you've even got that element to it. So, look, I think I think the thing about this season is, especially at Anfield, I think there's a collective responsibility now on not only the players but you know the the fans and the grounds as a whole to to get us over the line in games and get us to where we need to be. And and I think we need we all need to take that responsibility on. So, I think if we if we do what we do best, or to even I'd say you know seventy eighty percent of our capabilities, I don't think we'll have any problems in winning the games. But you know, it's not to be underestimated just how important these first four games are. Liverpool needs to, at the very least, keep up the pace, if not set it. And that's the big thing now is is everything's been built pre-season and, and all the good feeling around transfers and, and, and you know, the the minutes and the legs and everything else has been geared towards us starting well in these first four games. You've got to be looking at 12 points, if not 10. 
we've got to be looking to maximise on this opportunity that, that is it just presents us now with the transfer window with the World Cup with players coming back late with all the other stuff that's going on around different teams it, it's down to Liverpool now to, to set the tone for me yeah sooner um, we get to a point where teams are turning up already beaten at Anfield the better and I don't think I think we'll already have some of that in the bank from last season's um, performances at home and beaten record Um and I think that that's that, that that that's really it, it, we need to make hay in that in that sense because I think City have already got that. That's the, the my main worry really for the season is that who who fancies having a, a go at City really? Um, not many not many teams other than us. Um, so I think that the the sooner we can start um, start. Uh, doing what it takes to get to get teams scared of us before they've got here, the better. I think it'll be a big game. Um, so uh, just just with it being first game of the season, um, I think it'll be a big atmosphere. Whereas other times, Sunday one thirty kickoffs maybe not be the best atmosphere. Um, and I think that despite, I, I to be honest, I, I I've been um, breezily confident about it. It's only when you started saying things, Neil, about how West Ham might be good that I've sort of thought. Mm. God, I'm very much in the same boat as you. I've been very overly confident about it because of how wonderful we are. But I think again, what you said there about beating teams before they arrive is vital because City have done it. City have basically got probably 15 home wins, haven't they, that season? They got like 16 that. last year, Kevin. One of my things is I think one of the game-changing wins for City last season is when they do Stoke seven-two, yeah. and when everyone almost goes, God, they barely got out of second gear and they just did them seven-two, and everyone sort of has to have this realization of. We don't want to go there and get whacked. Let's just set up to get beat rather than get whacked. And I think that's important. Exactly. And with Liverpool, we've got the, we've got that in the tank definitely to do it. But as I say, last season's draws at home, the, 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 there's too many of them. That's that's the key to get that put away, put it to bed early, win the first three or four home games. And if you can do it comfortably against a team like West Ham, who could quite, <clears throat> quite conceivably, if we do them on Sunday, could quite conceivably recover and go on a little run with the team that they've got in there and the manager that they've got. They wouldn't be seen as mugs, but then people are saying, well, oh, they've done that to West Ham, they've done it to whoever next. That's the key for us. Obviously, the centre half problem, not well, not problem, but issue we've got with around Lovren not being there. If Gomez can come in and have a little bit of a flying start, then we start looking forward and every player, as we were talking about before, starts thinking, Yeah, this is our season, this is I want to be involved in this, and I've got my position to guard against someone else coming in, but also on the bigger picture for the team to be absolutely flying. West Ham won't be expecting to come and win. Um, and they'll be hoping to, and we need to stamp on that hope as quickly as possible. We don't, we, we can't give them a sniff to start with. The I, I think they'll be happy if they come and uh, score and, and get beat. To be honest, and that's maybe what the, the, in the back of their minds they'll be thinking. So we need to, as much as possible, just to just 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 make them think. Oh well, the season starts next next week. I think it's underestimated sometimes just how much the first day sets the tone. Yeah. I wrote it in my piece today, uh, it'll be out later, about you know games that have shaped the season almost on the first day. I always remember, you know, you go back as far as 2000 where Heskey Blams won against Bradford and then he spearheads the attack all season as the best season of his career. But even more recently, you know, you've got 13-14 storage scores in a horrible 1-0 against Stoke, but more importantly, Mignolet makes a penalty save. I remember coming out the ground that day and thinking, we can do something here this season. And Torres away at Sunderland in 2008, followed by the Middlesbrough uh, last-minute win at home. Do you know what the biggest one for me is? The the biggest one for me was uh, 10-11, where we we have a horrible one-all draw with Sunderland and down and crashes the bar from 25 yards and it almost in almost many ways does his career and does our season because yeah. all, all we do is hit the bar in the post 
and Darren doesn't do a tap and you wonder whether he, he would have just kicked on if, if that had gone in so I, I think it really is it, it can sometimes set a team you're making me nervous now Dan <laughs> we'll win we'll win <laughs> it's West Ham are going to come to frustrate, I think, a little bit as well. I mean, they, they, you can say it's a free hit, but what they'll feel is that they've got changes from the bench. You know, they've, they've, they're still making signings today. They've done Yarmolenko uh, in the window. He probably won't start. They've done Hernandez last season. He got his first pre-season game earlier. He probably won't start, but he'll be on the bench for them. The ball Perez, he may be on the bench for them. Um, the other thing about this is, it's, it's Kev, it's important if we do get on top and if we do get chances to take them early and I think that's a cliche because that, that's true in all football matches but I think especially this one to, to, to have this thing about setting a certain tone I think early in the season if you can take your chances early what it does is it gives you confidence that if you've got to wait late later in the season you can wait late and do it yeah and I think to go, that's true and I think what works in our favour on that is because we've got three players up front who are so hungry to score goals with we don't know what the midfield's going to be, but you'd imagine there's going to be at least one or two players in there who've got, say, Shaqiri or a Lallana or anyone like that who also thinks themselves as a goal scorer, maybe even a storage getting alongside there. You'd, you'd like to think that's not going to be the issue. If we create the chances, I think we'll put them away. And I think the only the only way we wouldn't create the chances is if is if West Ham play 100% to their level of ability with a low block in there. But again, first game of the season, can you really see that being the case? There's not many teams, you might get a Mourinho team doing it because what he's done in pre-season, like, but there's not many teams on the first game of the season who are going to sit back with a full low block without any sort of attention to try and get a goal. I don't Even think then, Shakiri comes on. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then makes a name for himself first game. That's no, it, yeah. but again, off the bench, that's what we've got. Is it? We've got the players to come on and do that, deal with that. But I think if we do create the chances, I think we'll take them with the players we've got. Dead interest is a name that none of you mentioned apart from in part one, and 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 I hadn't been talking about really. But it's probably fair to say, Adam, that if you're an Alden, when you get to the end of the last season, you look back on it and you think maybe I could have done a bit better here. And certainly a bit better in terms of what he does in front of goal. He has a lot of attempts on goal last season for Liverpool. He gets a lot of time on the pitch, but he he doesn't score anywhere near as many as he scored the year before for us or the year before that for Newcastle. And it was noticeable for me, and that's a good finish against Torino. But also look where he is. Look at the run he's made. And I, I wonder whether or not if you are Wijnaldum, firstly, he could be important in this game no matter what West Ham do. But secondly, if you're Klopp, you might have spent the summer or the working on him saying... You should be you should be getting in the box. You should be getting ahead of the play. You should be you should be getting on the end of things for us more. You know, I've I've never um, I haven't seen him make that that run before. I haven't seen him make a run like that probably since Arsenal season before last, where he scores the third and three one. I always think I always think that he. Um, he, he he comes to life when they when when we when we're winning basically Wijnaldum and that's a, that's a good thing and so it sounds like a damning him with faint praise but I think he uh, he's a player that that means that we will beat teams heavily because he he does he he'll sort of stand on the the, the advantage kind of thing he'll stamp stamp on teams and um, I think that. Um, because it, it, I was really surprised, I think, when we did the quiz, didn't he have the second biggest, the second third highest minutes, third highest <coughs> minutes out of all of our, our squad last year, which which was really surprising. That's why it was such a good quiz question, Neil. Um, <laughs> but I think I think within that there is what you've said is that is, is that his output wasn't wasn't enough wasn't enough, and um, I, I guess he was he, he was he was filling in for for for, for someone in those those points, and, and it sort of felt like that he was um, he was he was a body in midfield rather than. Um, knitting things together rather than being, you know, a firm six or eight. Um, so I, I think that uh, Kaita coming in means means things for him. Um, whether whether it means you know good 
good things in terms of he'll be able he'll be released to make the sorts of runs he was making the other day, although that's more sort of Fabinho being the, the city midfielder, or just the fact that someone's there snapping at his heels. Um, I mean, the, the thing with midfielders is that there's 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 always minutes, the suspensions and injuries, and that 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 with that intense that he'll he'll get a a, a lot a lot of games. And I just, I, I, it's a good position to be in. I'm glad it's not, it, it's not me that's picking the midfield because I just don't, I just don't know who. I, I, week to week, I'm not, I'm not going to know who's playing the midfield until, until it, you know, maybe the, the the clear, the clear best players come out because we don't know, we don't know about Wijnaldum, um, we don't know about Fabinho. Um, you know, the Kite has maybe started slightly slower than we've expected. We don't know when Henderson's coming back. There's Lalana, there's Milner, of course, who's, you know, absolute stalwart and has done nothing wrong at all in pre season, but we haven't talked about him either. So you know, I, I, basically, I'm saying I don't know, I, I'm, and I'm glad I'm not, I'm, I'm not the one who has to pick three from them. We'll talk about the, the actual selection in a minute. It's more one of the things you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to pick holes in us last season, Dan, one of the things you can pick holes is it holes in his goals from midfield. Milner doesn't really contribute many, uh, especially domestically. You know, Milner doesn't contribute uh, many. He'll want to contribute some more. When Alden doesn't contribute many, our top midfield goal scorer really is Coutinho, if you want to look at it that way, if you think he was more of a forward, and he goes anyway. Uh, or the next one down the list was Emery Chan. And again, Emery Chan's gone. So you, the, the lads who have remained one way or another, they've got a little bit to prove here. They've got, you know, we could do with them stepping up a little bit, you know, in comparison to, for instance, Manchester City, who appear to get goals from all over the pitch. Yeah, there is that. I mean, I think you've got it. You've got to caveat it by saying, you know, just how hard it is to play centre midfield in a team like Liverpool and, and and being asked to be all things to all men at, at certain times. You know, you can't you can't say to anyone else, "I want you making a third man run." When he's saying, "Yeah, that's sound gaffer," but you're asking me to build these triangles on the left with Robertson and Mane, and you know, I can't be, I can't be doing all these things at once. I think Kite is really interesting in all of this, whereby I've seen a lot of the other night him and Mane occupying the same type of number eight to ten space. Whereby I think that I think that allowed for then a, a fourth man run, if you like, from Wijnaldum to to get him behind. And I think as well, what he does really well for Wijnaldum is the first goal. He gets wide and he pulls it out the sky with a gorgeous touch, and and he's got that about him as well. You know, if you think back to last season when he comes on against Roma, the first thing he does is break the line. But the problem is, if you're running from a flat three, you're much easier to pick up yeah. than having two fellas who are playing 10, 15 yards in front of you who can almost mask your your marker, if you like. So. I think there's all that at play this season, and I think I think Klopp's big on adding different facets to this Liverpool side. I think he wants to keep the surprise elements about them. I think he doesn't want the thing of, you know, after a while people just cotton on to what you're doing. I think he wants to add something different every year. So, look, it's noticeable. You know, I said this the other night after the pink that I I think it's very possible he's had this chat with not only Wijnaldum but but other other midfielders as well. You know, it's very noticeable that Milner's he gets his goal against Napoli and he's in the box. You know what I mean, and and that's all right. It's a friendly, but it's the first goal, so you'd imagine Napoli was switched on. Milner finds himself in the area. I think he's looking at them all in training, and by all accounts, when they're training, they're finishing really well all the time. And I think if you get in before the game, sometimes and you see the way they're putting it away. All right, the game hasn't started. You haven't got that pressure, but you can see they're really good in front of goal. I think there's no reason why those players can add. If you can get 15 from from three players, not a problem. I think yeah, 15 from three players. I think is. You're probably there thereabouts with your numbers because if you, you're asking for more goals from midfield, which is fair enough, because if you look just basically at the basic stats of they scored this many goals, it doesn't take into account the fact that the front three have scored over 100 goals. And that's serving the front three. Exactly. So play. for the front three yeah. to score that number of goals, there's got to be someone behind them doing that for them. And if that person behind them is trying to play a different role, taking a little bit of their own 
their own personal glory, if you will, to yeah. score the goal. It's going to take away from that. So I think that's the case there. What you could say to caveat that is maybe the games where we do struggle at home and you're saying to the front three, come on, you score the goal, come on, you score the goal. That's when it starts to maybe make that change. The third man run there is probably the key, isn't it? Whereby you get the ball out wide and it is a Mane or a Salah with one of the fullbacks going down and then you're asking a Henderson, a Wijnaldum, a Milner, or the case of the season, Shakiri, whoever, to make the run in and score the <clears> goal in. I think the, that's where it's key. So I think the goals from midfield become more prevalence uh, well more necessary when we're struggling to get the front three in but which is obviously then it's the hardest time to score because defenders are full of confidence because they're thinking well we've already shackled Mane, Salah and Firmino I'm, I'm, I can do the same to you why all them so it's good you probably take a little bit of extra to then score that goal so I think you've got to give them that little bit of credit or excuse whatever you want to call it to say if the front three score 120 goals this season you're probably not going to get 15 on the midfield. It's a, it's almost like we need to get them used to scoring goals just in case there is that drop off or just in case you know, they need it, yeah. Just in case they need it, and it is the way we play. Um, and it, it, it's a really tricky one because I think that that you know it's not going to be the, the front three aren't going to be all fit at all the same time forever. We were, we were pretty lucky really last season that they, they managed to stay fit almost all the way through. Um, and so it. At, I think that when it does, if and when that does happen, and we do have to sort of change things around a bit, um, and and the, the the midfield comes to be relied on more, um, it's 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 good for it. It would be good if they they've got used to the idea of them popping up, uh, taking it in turns to pop up and, and and arrive late and finish. Okay, selection headaches then for the weekend. Uh, you all start and go, Mister Centre off. I would you. Um, what are my options? Well, they're op- your options are. Probably oh. injured Matip, probably injured Clavin. Is it Clavin still injured? Throw Fizio. back, throw Fabi- back, Fabinho. throw where uh, the big dog back in. Throw the big dog back in. Um, I don't think you'll do that. But no, I'd saying, start Gomez. Yeah, start so. Gomez. I wouldn't rule out Lovren altogether. You know, mm. uh, he got interviewed by the by the uh, the club the other night before the game, and he was he was itching. Um, if he's kept himself in there, I think that there's the thing of his manager having his lads back. So. I wouldn't rule it out, but I think Gomez, you know, if we're going to say Joe Gomez is going to be a centre-half, then you need to put him in. Um, right back, Alexander-Arnold O'Klein. As of Trent, I think he's he's in a great vein of form running from last season into this and to take him out now and put Klein and possibly leave him out for a few games, I don't think it works for him. Whereas I don't think Klein necessarily needs that boosting confidence if he does get back in. He's very much a 7 out of 10 every week anyway, isn't he, son? Yeah, definitely Trent. I think Klein's been crap pre-season, to be honest. Sauce. Yeah, I can care. Trent was brilliant the other night. Okay, Trent. Uh, midfield three. Um, are you all doing Fabinho? Well, Fabinho, Kaita, and Aldum. No, no. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have Fabinho in. <clears throat> I don't think he's. He struggled a little bit in pre-season, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be a game where he's going to be attacked a lot. So I think maybe use him in a game where it's going to be towards the strength. So Crystal Palace away, where you probably are going to have players running at you, where he can say, "Well, this is my more of my game." So I think you're probably looking. I'd have Wijnaldum if Milner's fit I'd probably have him in there and Keita OK Milner with his 15 stitches in his head Adam I'd have Henderson uh, Henderson Keita Wijnaldum I think I think Henderson will start um, I, I, I just want to I want to get Milner on the pitch as well that's the thing and I, I'm not I, I think the stitches are alright I think if you get someone can go and win his head for him 
There's someone knocking that. I'll, I'll jump on and do them if he wants. It's a great idea, by the way. I love the idea that West Ham might get onto it and start putting Edison Milner's general I direction. Don't, I don't think, but it's what the stitches are, what, 10 days old now? Yeah, they're right down the middle of his forehead. Lad, yeah, but he's a, big, he's a big, brave Yorkshire boy, Neil. Lad, come on, he's not very trust me, you as well, you know. you'll, you'll go for the header. <laughs> I'm just worried that it then goes bang. No, I, mean, I, think if he, I think if he has it wrapped, it's what they, they have all sorts of medical wonders these days, don't they, for stuff like that? It's very hard to do as well, you know, to just clip a ball onto James Milner's head. You think about these keepers, I mean, I probably couldn't reach James. James Milner now <laughs> but they, they're doing well to not get it like past Van Dyke. do you know what I mean like they're, they're if they're even clipping it it's going to our back four okay okay it's all uh, good and uh, therefore you, you pick those three are you going to start Firmino uh, centre fireworks for this one or do you think you go out either Sturridge or even Shakiri do something a bit different give Firmino more time to come back Kev absolutely Firmino all day for me get a flying start yeah, I said I said that I thought Sturridge might start the other week, but I've changed my mind. I think I think it just for to keep the buoyancy of the mood of the place, it'll be the front three. Has someone supposedly got a knock? One of the Firmino, Fabinho, Fabinho. Oh, is today it? Might might have got a knock. Yeah, he went away with supposedly the medical stuff after after training. Right, I thought it might have been Firmino. No, I, I'll start Firmino all day. I think uh, I think you can sell Sturridge on the notion that he's come off the bench twice in the last well most of pre-season really and done well and make him your first sub. Okay, thank you very much to Ollie Kay, to Stu and Sean for coming and talking about Manuel, to Dan, to Adam and to Kev. It's been your first Anfield Rap weekend. Let us know what you think. Sports Social Podcast Network.